Hello, New Legacy Linden. This is Ann Johnson, your lead pastor. I am so glad that you are joining us this week to talk about uncomfortable things. <laughs> if you know me for like two seconds, you know that I love structure. I love having a plan. I like sticking to the plan. And the plan that I had going into this month was the continuation of our series through the book of Matthew. But the more that I prayed about the state of our nation, the state of our world, everything that is going on, it just didn't feel like I could continue as is. But it was important to slow down and lean into the wisdom and clarity provided by the Holy Spirit on how I need to be leading our church at this very specific time in history. So for the month of June, we are doing just a little mini series um, that I call the Church of Uncomfortable Conversations. Last week, we talked about racism, and today we're going to talk about a real feel-good subject called grief. And I say that sarcastically because here's the thing about having a conversation regarding racism and grief is that these things shouldn't make people feel uncomfortable. But in the context of our culture and the day and age, it is uncomfortable. And I don't want us as the church to not be prayerful, empathetic, considerate, and wise in these conversations. So with a lot of prayer and a lot of asking my friend who is a professional counselor on grief, um, we're going to go into the next series, the next sermon for this series. And you see, as I was praying for our church and praying about what was going on in our nation, I had this sense of overwhelming grief. And I just believe that grief has embedded itself into our hearts. And I know that sounds like such a bold statement to say, but I really want us to stop and think about it. So as I pray, I pray that your hearts would be open to hear this. So Jesus, we thank you so much for today. We thank you, Lord, so much for your goodness and faithfulness. I pray that I would not get in the way of what you want to speak through me today on grief and suffering. Lord, I pray that you would give me wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen. You see, grief is what we feel from loss. And it could be loss of a person. It could be loss of a relationship, loss of a job, loss of trust, and so forth. But here's the thing that my friend, uh, she's an incredible counselor in Bellingham, told me, she said, you know, on grief isn't linear. It is something that is impacting our lives. It is something that changes who we are. It is something that becomes a part of our journey. And when I make this statement that says grief has embedded itself into our hearts, and I explained what grief is. Here are some other definitions that I've found for grief. Grief is emotional suffering brought on by bereavement, mishap, or disaster. 
To grieve is either to cause or feel sorrow or distress. That was from the Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible. Another definition, the cognitive and emotional process of working through a significant loss. The removal of anyone or anything that has emotional value to an individual will precipitate a grief reaction. That was from the Baker Encyclopedia of Psychology and Counseling Grief. And the way as I read through the definitions of grief and I looked at it throughout the biblical narrative, it became very clear to me that the grieving process, that emotional process that we we go through when we lose someone or something that is significant to us as an individual, what that does to our emotional state is so significant. I would say com comfortably and confidently that I have seen grief in my lifetime. I've seen loss and immense distress and sorrow, but the first time that I can pinpoint that I've ever felt grief was when I was at Northwest University during chapel. In my mind, I remember exactly where I was standing and we were in worship and I remember I started crying because I, I was learning about human trafficking and how it has become a huge, thriving underground business, the, the selling of human beings. And my heart was deeply troubled because I could not understand why a good God would allow this to happen. And as I was worshiping and praying, feeling this immense distress, the spirit of the Lord, that is the only way I can describe it, fell upon me. And I felt suspended in grief. I felt in every part of my being as if it's woven itself. It became who I was, this grief and this sorrow and this distress that I have never felt in my life and I was sobbing and it was a pain that I have never felt since then. It was just overwhelming as if I was swimming in grief. And I called out to the Lord and I said, what am I feeling? And as clear as day, I heard the Lord say, this is how I feel when I see my children hurt each other. But what I understood in that moment was my ability to feel is limited. It is finite. And I could have I could barely stand what I felt in that moment in that chapel at that university. I could barely breathe. It was suffocating me. It was overwhelming me. It was soaking into me. And I couldn't stand it. But what I knew was that I could only feel so much. And God, who is infinite, feels what I felt in that moment. It was like I had this opportunity to glimpse into the vastness of who God is.
and that moment forward, I began to understand grief. So how do we see grief in the Bible? How do we see this consistent thread, this consistent narrative of suffering, distress, and loss in the Bible? Heck, we have an entire book called Lamentations devoted to the expression of grief. We see God grieves. We see throughout biblical story, Bibles and stories in the Bible about how God grieves. He is grieved when his conventional love is rebuffed by human disobedience and sin. His anguish response to sin is evidenced in two main ways, divine judgment and compassion for the sinner. That was in the Evangelical Dictionary of Biblical Theology. That God grieves the disobedience of his children, the creation that he loves so much that when we choose to disobey, there is immense grief in God as he watches. And in the Old Testament, we see the cycle of disobedience. We see God coming in and rescuing his people. And then they're like, yay. And then they get distracted and become disobedient. And then they cry out to God and he rescues them. I mean, he gives them consequences for their sin, but he also rescues them. And they're like, yay. And then they get distracted and then they become disobedient and then they cry out to God. And you see this cycle of humanity in the Old Testament. I think if we are honest with ourselves, we see this cycle in our own lives and we have to recognize that that grieves the heart of God. In Genesis 6 verses 6 through 8. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth and his heart was filled with pain. So the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I've created from the face of the earth, men and animals and creatures that move along the ground and the birds of the air, for I am grieved that I have made them. So that was verses six and seven. God grieves because the context of that scripture was humanity was in great, great disobedience. And he saw them and his heart broke and he grieved what he saw. You see in Judges 8, chapters 10, verse 16, then the Israelites put aside their foreign, foreign gods and served the Lord. And he was grieved by their misery that when even when the Israelites chose to put away their foreign gods and serve God, he still was grieved that they were even in that situation of disobedience. Isaiah 53, 10, verses 10, 3 through 10. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, unacquaint, uh, sorry, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. All of us, 
like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own, yet the Lord laid on him the sins of all of us. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream, but he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal and he was put in a rich man's grave. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet his life made is an his life is made an offering for sin. He will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. That in the book of Isaiah, this is a prophetic vision and story of what the Messiah would go through. That Jesus, the Messiah, would endure great pain and injustice for the sake of the beloved. That he would be grieved by the sins of the people and he will willingly go to the cross to die a criminal's death for the sake of God's good plan that Jesus himself felt sorrow, distress, grief, loss. Mark 3, 5. And he looked around at him with anger. Jesus looked around at, at them with anger, grieved at their hard-heartedness, the hardness of heart, and said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was restored. That Jesus was doing ministry and he encountered a man with a shriveled hand. And because it was Sabbath, he shouldn't have healed the man by the religious law because it was Sabbath. And it grieved Jesus that the religious people were so focused on rules that they were willing to allow a person to suffer another day. John 11, verse 35, Jesus wept. That we see throughout the biblical narrative that God himself, the Holy Spirit, Jesus the Son, grieves. And they grieve because of the disobedience of humanity. They grieve about how religion has taken place over people. They grieve. Because they know that God's good plan is so good, yet we choose our own plan. They grieve. But here's the thing. Humanity grieves too. That we see in the Bible that there are so many instances where people are sad and they are grieving. Like Hannah. She was one of two wives and she was the beloved wife. But the thing with Hannah was that she couldn't have kids. And the other wife could. And that grieved her. But in 1 Samuel chapter 116 says, Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. She was at the temple. She was crying out to God. And she was so immersed in her emotions that the priest thought she was a drunkard. And she's like, no, I'm not drunk. I am overwhelmed with grief. 
Job 2, verses 12 through 13. I think Job is possibly one of the classic biblical examples of grief because homeboy lost so much. And it says, and when they looked at him from afar off and saw him disfigured, beyond recognition, they lifted up their voices and wept. Each one tore their robe and they cast dust over their heads towards the heavens. So they sat down with Job on the ground for seven days and seven nights and spoke and none spoke a word for they saw that his grief and pain were very great. So you see the friends of Job, they see him, they see his grief and they were willing to sit down with him in the midst of grief. And don't get me wrong. If you read through the book of Job, you know that his friends get a little wonky, but I don't want to miss a chance to highlight the fact that they saw his grief and they sat with him in it. Mark 5:38. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and Jesus saw a commotion. People were weeping and wailing loudly. And some they were grieving. They were they were experiencing this emotional reaction to a great loss. So what they were seeing was that Jesus was seeing this group and they were weeping and wailing over the death of someone that they loved. And here's the thing. Grieving is absolutely a part of existence. And I wanted to say human existence, but the reality is the Bible shows that God grieves too. He has the, the that reaction to a loss. Grieving is a part of existence that right now we are in an unprecedented time with an overwhelming sense of loss, sadness, distress, suffering. And it is all put under a microscope called our phones. There is no time like this time right now that when I pray for our nation, when I pray for our city, when I pray for our church, the word grief continues to come to my mind. The word grief and the feeling and sense of grief is so thick in the air that I can't miss it. That right now, I keep hearing this term, the perfect storm, everything going on with our nation, with the pandemic and the protests and even the riots and the looting and all the conversations that are happening Right now, people say this is a perfect storm. Because of the pandemic, things are magnified. People were already on edge. And with the death of George Floyd, they were tipped over the edge. For the black community, they have been grieving for hundreds of years in a systemic racist system that was meant to hold them down. And now in this time, we are seeing the greatest, and by greatest, I mean an immense, large in number, movement to address the injustices that the black community faces. This perfect storm is the state of our nation. Right now, people have felt immense loss in the pandemic. And I keep being reminded to give my children the space to grieve because one day they were in school and then the next they weren't. And then they were told they would not be able to go back. Hopefully they will go back in the fall. But they are grieving. I am grieving loss also. And I believe if you're willing to slow down 
and look in your heart. You might notice that grief is embedded there too. That it is so critical that we allow ourselves the space and time to just sit in the discomfort and the pain of grief. But what I see in ministry, what I see in myself is I actually just want to brush past it, gloss over. I want to bear down and plow through the grief process because it is so freaking uncomfortable that the process of grieving loss and I have grieved loss, the process of acknowledging grief and suffering and distress in my own life is so uncomfortable because I'm a bear down plow through kind of girl. But I feel like the Holy Spirit is saying, but you need to slow down. And you need to sit in this discomfort, the pain of grief. You need to feel it. And I think, why do we zoom past grief? I think, one, we don't want to deal with grief because it is uncomfortable. We don't want to deal with suffering and distress in our own hearts because maybe we think it makes us look weak. We don't want to give space and time to sit in the discomfort and pain of grief because maybe we recognize that we might not come out the other end because we've ignored this problem for so long. For whatever reason you see inside of your own heart to brush past and gloss over the reality that there is immense grief right now, I would encourage you to identify it. And then I would encourage you to make a mature spiritual decision to sit with God and allow him to address that loss and suffering in your life. And as I look around us, as I look around even in our own families, at the state of everything going on, I am convinced that we cannot miss this kingdom opportunity to bear the weight of grief. Because we are in such an unprecedented time with an overwhelming sense of loss, sadness, suffering, distress. I believe that God wants to use this time for something kingdom focused. He wants to use this time to bring freedom to those in chains. He wants to use this time to deliver people from oppression. He wants to use this time to teach us something about ourselves and who he is. The interesting thing, like I said, the biblical narrative, there's this thread that God grieves, we grieve. There is grief in the Bible, yet somehow Christians are the suckiest folks at grieving because maybe we're just too uncomfortable and we don't know what to do. So we just give Christian platitudes instead of being like Job's friend before they went wonky, where they saw his grief and they committed to sitting with him in it. That they saw the pain and they were willing to sit with him in it so he was not alone. That these are kingdom opportunities to bear the weight of grief so we can love people well while they are in it. Because trust me, friends, there is immense grief right now. If you are just willing to open your eyes, there is great suffering and distress 
in homes, in moms who feel like they're failing because they don't know how to homeschool their kids. I'm raising my hands because I'm a part of those moms. For families that are so used to going from this activity, that activity, to this activity, and now that they can't, they're recognizing the brokenness within their own family structure. For the marriages that we're just trying to make it by, by staying busy, you can't in a pandemic. And they're facing the dysfunction in their marriage. And they're grieving maybe the loss of the dream that they had. They're grieving the loss of plans, but there is grief people are grieving. So we have to ask, what do we do when we experience loss in our own lives, in the people around us and in the world? I think it is so important for us to slow down and sit in the grief. And I can hear a part of me saying, don't do that. Just bear down, plow through, focus on the hope, focus on Jesus. And I feel confidently to say that it is fully possible to sit in the grief and still focus on Jesus. But we have to be willing, one, to acknowledge and name the losses. We have to be willing to look at our own lives and the people around us in the world and acknowledge and name the cause of the grief. Two, we have to learn to give space and grace for people who are grieving. We might not be able to understand their suffering, but that doesn't mean we can't commit to being with them in it that we would mourn with those who mourn and we rejoice with those who rejoice. And the third one of what we could do in the midst of this grief, and y'all, this is preaching to me. Give yourself space to process the loss of this season. I've never pastored through a pandemic before. I don't know a single pastor who has. And I can tell you the, the plans that I had and the things that I would envision for our church, the pivots we have had to make. I had to give myself space to grieve the loss of that. Because I believe that the way that a Christian grieves, a believer grieves, is immensely different than how people of the world grieve because we grieve with eternity in mind. We grieve with the promise in mind. We grieve with the promise in mind from Psalms 34, 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. He is close to those who are suffering and in distress. He is close to those who are grieving. Matthew 5, 4, God blesses those who mourn for they will be comforted. Even the promise, the look at Job's friends, 
They saw him, and they wept too. They committed to to his suffering to be with him. That believers, as we grieve, we can still keep our eyes on the eternal promise of who Jesus is. As we grieve, we can allow that grief to collide with hope. As we grieve and we see the loss around us, I think it is important to model to the people around us that it is possible to grieve the loss of so many things and still have eyes on Jesus. And this verse from 1 Thessalonians 4.13 has been marinating inside of my heart. And I know that this verse is in context to the conversation around resurrection. But it says, now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died. So you will not grieve like people who have no hope. Like I said, I know that this is in in context to resurrection. But I can't help but think about how we have hope. I can't help but think about as Christians, as believers, we have the promise, we have eternity in mind. That even in the middle of all this, we have to recognize what where there is immense grief, there must be immense hope. And y'all, that hope is Jesus. That right now, there are kingdom opportunities for us to lean into our faith in Jesus Right now, in the time of immense grief, there are ways for us to point people to Jesus. Right now, we can show people what it means to have grief collided with hope in Jesus. Jesus, hope embodied. Jesus, your neighborhood hope dealer. Jesus. So I challenge us, church, are people seeing Jesus in us during this time of immense grief? Are they seeing Christ in us and how we are navigating the pandemic? Are they seeing Christ in us and the church in the uncomfortable and needed conversations around racism? Are they seeing Christ in the middle of our personal grief? Are people seeing Jesus in us during this time of immense grief? Who or what are we pointing to? You see, we're like a compass. We're always pointing to something. But we have to be wise to slow down and ask, well, what are we pointing to? Am I, are you, are we as believers, if you're listening and you are, a Christ follower. And I'm not just saying somebody who says, yeah, I go to church and that's what makes me a Christian. That's like me sitting in a garage and saying that makes me a car. But I'm saying, are you somebody wholeheartedly submitting your life to Christ? Is he Lord and Savior? Are we pointing people to him? And I want to encourage you to take time this week to ask yourself if there are things that I am actually fairly confident there are. 
or the things that you are personally grieving right now. I don't want you to think that proving strength is not dealing with the grief and the sadness of loss because we've all lost something. Don't focus on how maybe you should downplay your loss because it's not as bad as somebody else. I want you to sit in quiet and ask the Lord, Lord, what am I really grieving? Then I want you to look outside of yourself and say, what is something we see the community grieving right now? So first inside at our hearts, then into our community. But then I want us to begin to think, well, what do we do about it in our heart? So once you've identified that place in your heart where you are struggling, there is distress, there's suffering, there is loss, there is grief. Will you allow it to collide with hope? Will you allow to grief meet you allow grief to meet with hope? And here's the thing about these dichotomies and these tensions and this duality that we can only truly understand how great hope is when we also understand how hard grief is. Even with joy and sadness. We can only really truly understand how wonderful joy is if we see it and understand it in light of how devastating sadness is. So what do we do about it in our heart, our home, and our neighborhood? How are we pointing people to Jesus? How? Are we showing the hope that there is in Christ? Will you pray with me? Lord, help us slow down to experience and process the grief in us. Give us boldness to face the hard things in our life, our suffering and our loss. Help us see the grief around us. God, with everything going on in our nation, I pray that believers would be the first to mourn with those who mourn and rejoice with those who rejoice. And Lord, I pray that you would give us, Lord, eyes to see the hurting. Give us the clarity to see you in the midst of it and help us point people to you. In Jesus' name, amen. New Legacy Linden, I miss you deeply and dearly. I love you. I love your children. I love being a part of your life as your pastor. As we go through all these different phases, please know that we are thinking about you. We are praying for you. And we are weighing, always weighing and thinking about all the decisions that are a part of what it means to gather as a church in this time. On June 11th, we're doing Church in the Park. We are meeting at Linden City Park at 6.30. Um, it's supposed to rain, so, I mean, come ready. Dress your kids in jackets and boots and let them play in the park while we sit under the covered area in, um, in between the two different play structures. And lastly, if New Legacy Linden is your home church, the, this is your community, these are your people, 
Thank you so much for giving. If you would like to start giving, go to www.newlegacylinden.com. Go to the support page and hit give. We are so grateful for your generosity and your obedience. We thank you. Um, And if you didn't know, nobody, including myself, gets paid by our home church. Um, We are all volunteers. We thank you. We love you. We cannot wait to see you at church in the park. Thank you so much for listening to this week's service. Have a great, great day. And I pray that God would reveal himself to you in the midst of the grief.